of transformation. You came to heal the broken. Lord, may you minister your grace through Run to Rescue. Amen. Arlene Shannon, I appreciate you putting skin on the vision for what God calls all of us churches to do. We frame it at the awakening as being fully alive in Christ and to his mission. It's not just about us becoming more alive in Christ. Jesus, Jesus is immediately setting us on his mission. We've been in this series in the last few weeks called Entitled or Entrusted. We've talked about being able to pass the baton. To pass the baton to the next person to entrust them just as surely as we've been passed the baton. And that we would live our life focused on mission and all that God calls us to and not get caught up with the consumerism and the self-centeredness and uh, the drift of culture where it says it's all about you. Is not. Jesus Christ said that he did not come to be served, but to give his life away and to give it as a ransom for many. And he did that. And so if we are to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission, then we become like Christ. And Christ has given us so many things and we are entrusted with it. And we pass that baton on the relay to the next person. But we don't drop it ourselves. I have a simple focus I want us to have today. And you probably sort of knew it was coming in this series. And it has to do with God's resources. God's resources because his mission needs to go forward and it requires resources, but we're going to see that more importantly than resources, it has to do with our heart. And resources have this impact on our heart. I uh, came across an article this week. You know, there's so much. Um, <laughs> I'd say there's, there's a lot of illustration in contemporary culture for this whole discussion of entitled or enriched. And um, I came across the um, headline this week related to a guy by the name of Sean O'Malley. Anybody know who Sean O'Malley is? There you go. We got a that's the older generation, not. So, so Sean O'Malley is a 28-year-old bantamweight um, champion uh, of UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship, which is sort of a mixed martial arts. And uh, he had a big victory this last week. And so he was uh, on a talk show, a podcast, and uh, it came out the caption uh, that Sean O'Malley says he is entitled to cheat on his wife because he pays for everything. And so people were disgusted with this kind of concept. But then when you think about it, it's like, well, that's sort of part of the culture. And uh, he discussed their relationship in this podcast, and he sparked a lot of controversy with it because you hear something like that and you go, are you kidding me? He actually admitted that he cheats on his wife and he should be allowed to do so because he funds their lifestyle. 
he added that his wife, and they have a three-year-old child together, is not allowed to do the same thing as he does not want her to sleep with other people. He says, I'm a king. I pay for everything. I wouldn't say that if it was in the opposite position. If I wasn't paying for everything, if I wasn't successful. I think there's maybe a little bit of entitlement with Sean O'Malley. I get to have a promiscuous lifestyle because I'm king. I pay for everything. I want you to know what that is. That's an erosion of the soul by a demonic spirit. I'm not saying he has demons. I'm just saying that's the lie of the adversary. That would say, you're entitled. Look, you worked for that. That's yours. And you get to call the shots. The first verse that we read off in the call to worship was this. Psalm 24, 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. One of the big wake-up calls, if you've never come to it in your life, is this. You don't own anything. Should we say that again? You don't own anything. God is the owner. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. God has it all. It's his world that we live in. We don't try to invite him to come into our little world, our entitled little world, and, and say, let me work it. No, we operate in his world. There was a beautiful memorial service in this room yesterday. Over 200 people gathered for Mike McDonald's memorial. And one of the things I stated with that memorial service was Mike had that turn in his heart where he started to realize he wasn't on this earth to be an entitled person but that he was on this earth to steward that which God had given him and his family. And we celebrated his life, and we rejoiced that he has an eternity with him. I immediately left that memorial service and went to another memorial service of Tom Parnakian's mother, Alice, who lived to be 96, and she stewarded her life, and she lived in a frugal manner. There's a lot of testimonies there about how she lived frugally to be able to keep God first, and she was always talking about the return of Jesus. Jesus is coming back because she had right-sized an understanding that this world was not hers. Mike came to that place and realized, this world is not mine. This world is God's world, and we participate in it. And so when we talk here this morning about being able to be entrusted with God's resources, I want you not immediately to go to this idea, okay, I, I came on the wrong Sunday, Carrie's going to talk, the giving talk, here we go. Well, yeah, I am. But that's very small thinking. This has to do with the much bigger picture of the world that we live in and all that we experience is of God. It's God's resources, and we've been entrusted with those resources. Oh, yeah. Danielle, would you... Uh, it's my $100 bill. I just carry them around in my pocket. Would, would you take care of that for a little bit for me? Remember, I was my 100 right? That's not my hundred? 
Whose hundred is that? It is God's hundred. Now it's yours. <laughs> Steward that hundred dollars well. Probably the most famous story in the scriptures concerning God's resources is the story that Jesus told. He was the master storyteller because it's in stories that encapsulates the truth. And he told the story of the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. The parable, the talents, we often think, well, talents, what, like your gifts, what you're good at doing? Well, talents had to do with the means of payment. And so if you were to actually turn there, and I encourage you to do that if you want, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. And the NIV refers to it as the parable of the bags of gold. And I think this is probably a better title for it in our contemporary understanding. I want to read this parable for you. You ready? Read it with fresh ears. Listen to it with fresh ears. Again, it will be like a man is referring to the kingdom of God. Going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted, entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who'd received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold regained, gained two more. But the man who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, in verse 19, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Now, I want to pause there. This is uh, Jesus telling a story about three individuals. But you see yourself in this story, but you also see God in this story. And he gave to one person um, five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to another just one bag of gold. And it, it shows that there's different kinds of means and resources that are given to each of us, Right? You're probably thinking, wow, the pastor just carries around $100 bills in his pocket. No. So he must be really resourced as a five-bagger uh, of gold, right? It's an illustration. I have to give it back to my wife after service, right? <laughs> We've been given different resources. The focus isn't on the amount that you've been given. The focus is on what you've done with what you've been entrusted but then it says that the master went away on a journey. He disappeared. And in this, you see sort of God's presence having pulled back. Guess what? We are living in the time when the master has gone away. But he is coming back. The man who had received... Five bags of gold brought the other five that he gained. Master, he said, you entrusted me. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, I love this verse, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I wonder what was in Jesus' mind behind that way he pitched it. We often say, and surely Mike and, and Alice both received as they passed from this life to the next, the well done, good and faithful servant when they entered into the heavenly realms. But when you walk into the heavenly realms on the other side, there's things that God's got going on. We just don't sit around in a cloud and play a harp. He's got activity. His kingdom is eternal. And he says, hey, you've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of a lot of things. Are you low man on the totem pole or low woman on the totem pole at your workplace? You want to climb the ladder? You want to be more successful? Well, that may be for, God, for God's will in your life, but it may be he's just wanting you to be faithful in the small things that you've been entrusted, the responsibilities you've been entrusted, whether in the workplace or whether at home. You don't know what eternity holds. I don't know what eternity holds. But every day I'm choosing to say, God, you've entrusted me with certain things. You've entrusted me like we've talked about with your gospel, with your calling, with my life. You've entrusted me with your resources. This is your world. It's not mine. I'm just going to be faithful in this day, in this hour, in this moment. And I have no idea what eternity holds when we pass from this life into the next. Come and share your master's happiness. Scripture teaches Jesus taught do not be fearful. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Big context. It's a big world. It's not just this world, but it's the new heaven and the new earth that's coming down the pike. We get to be a part of that if we are a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's stay responsible, not entitled in this life. And let's choose. Let's choose to be stewards that are well entrusted no matter what we've been given the man who had two bags of gold also came master he said you entrusted me with two bags of gold see i've gained two more his master replied well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful in a few things i'll put you in charge of many things come and share your master's happiness then the man who had received one bag of gold came master he said i knew i knew that you were a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was, I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is. It's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Sometimes I'm startled by the words that Jesus uses. Whether well, than his stories. Couldn't he have been a little bit nicer? No. He looked at the one who squandered away the one bag of gold and didn't do anything with it. And he says, you're wicked. You're lazy. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest at least. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless, here he is again, being pretty harsh. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's serious business how we steward what God has given to us.
This isn't the money talk because that's what preachers do. And if you're new, you're going, wow, I came on a Sunday. The churches really do keep talking about money. No, I am responsible to give the whole counsel of this word here. And we are called to steward well all that God has given because it's God's. It's not ours. How you doing, servants? How you doing? I want to... um, challenges this morning. It's a straight-on challenge, and some of you are probably not going to like it. You see, it's easy to sit and hear a talk like this and just let it go over the top of our head or been there before. Appreciate your highlighting. It's true. There has to be an action step. You need to make a step of action. And some of us are stuck in our faith. We're the same place we were 10 years ago because we've not taken action steps to whatever the Spirit of God's prompting us to. And I want to call us to a step of action. The last book of the Bible in the Old Testament was Malachi. And there were 400 years between the last book of the Old Testament and when Jesus came uh, to earth in the Gospels. 400 years. But the book of Malachi was actually written a hundred years after the Israelites had been taken into captivity, the Babylonian captivity for 70 years. They'd come back, the temple had been rebuilt, the priesthood had been reestablished, but now a hundred years had gone. And in the book of Malachi, it talks about the Israelites were as wicked after a hundred years coming back from the exile, which they really had to you know, handwriting on the wall, wake up, you're not living for God. 70 years, another country pulled them out of their country and they lived in exile. They come back, yay, they're worshiping God. They hear his word, Ezra. And, you know, you can read these kinds of things. And then through the next hundred years, they end up falling again in the same ways they did before. And they were as corrupt and as wrong after a hundred years when the book of Malachi was written as to when the temple was rebuilt. And you're going like, Do human beings never learn? I don't know. You tell me. You read the news. Do we ever learn? No. There's this propensity because of the sinful nature to run away from God towards ourselves, towards our own entitlement, and not to run towards God. And so in the book of Malachi, there's like these six different dialogues that happen back and forth. I love the dialogue in Malachi 1 because they were bringing uh, sacrifices into the temple and they weren't bringing the best. They were bringing the, the broken and the lame uh, lambs and sheep. And it's like, here, God, you can, you can have the leftovers. And he has this dialogue with them in Malachi. And then there's the chapter of Malachi 3 that has some very familiar words as it relates to the... Lord's resources. In Malachi 3, talks about giving to God. It also talks about Jesus coming in the first part of Malachi. But it's this verse that's found in 8, 9, and 10 that's familiar with us, and you're like, well, that figures. Pastor is speaking of money. He's going to call out this verse, and and this verse has that, that big word in it called tithe. Yep. 
That's where we're going because God went there with his people time and again, not because he was needing money. How do you give money to God? He owns it all. It's his $100 bill. But God wants something more. He wants your heart. He wants our worship. And all that's packaged in this exhortation isn't about what we commonly think. Oh, you know, God just wants money. Churches want money. No, God's wanting our heart. And his people had strayed from him again. But he uses his resources to point out as an example of how that heart strays or how we live in a spirit of maybe greed. Maybe we live in a spirit of fear. And he is exhorting them to do something, to change, to turn. And he says this, because they're asking, you know, what are you talking about, God? How, how do we rob you or whatever? And it says this. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. Embedded right there, other translations say cheat. Embedded right there is the reality that all the world has is God's. And it's not just his resources. The breath we have, the life we live, the relationships we've been given, it's all God's and we're called to steward it, to be entrusted with it. And he's challenging them in the scripture, the prophet Malachi, on behalf of God, you have robbed God. So God, so baseline is all things belong to God. But you ask, well, how are we robbing you? And so he gives this one example. He could have maybe given many. He says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And so then the challenge is in Malachi 3.10, the big verse. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So what was going on? Well, the temple was the storehouse for uh, goods. It was an agrarian culture, so when they grew their crops, they were to give a tithe. The word tithe means 10, 10%. 10% was to come into the temple, but the temple was sort of empty, and the temple was also in disruins, and it wasn't being able to be kept up. The poor weren't being able to be fed, and God says, you have robbed me of the tithe. Look, the temple treasury is empty. You need to give your tithe, rightfully so, to God and his work. Now, we know 100% is God's, and he was just saying just 10%. 10%, by the way, if you want to just know, is the historical biblical standard for giving, the tithe. But it's not a legalistic thing, but it's not like you might think. That's like, what I can do, I can do. No, the tithe was a beginning point. Tithes and offerings. It was more than just this. Because he's after the heart. He's after the heart. And so it goes on to say this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And so the exhortation, the exhortation is to give the tithe. 
It's not yours to begin with. It's not mine to begin with. 10%? That means if you make $10, you give a dollar. If you make $100, you give $10. If you make $100,000, you can do the 10%. But guess what? If you make $10 and you don't give a dollar, I guarantee you, you won't be given your tithe when you make $100,000. It's a practice. It's a discipline in our life where we choose, this is not my life. These are not my resources. I only give back to God what is rightfully His. And so you start with a tithe. God says, look at the mess you're all in. You're living in a narcissistic, materialistic, self-centered culture. I need the next thing. I need. Any of you in this room have car problems right now? So a couple of the cars in my household are like close to 15 years old. I hate car payments, but here's the reality. You either have a car payment or you have a maintenance payment. And I had a $3,500 maintenance payment this last week. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what do I do with that? Well, you got to get the car fixed, right? And then you try to wrestle with God. What would you have moving forward with this? And I was wrestling with that this last week. But it's just, I live in Reelsville just like you do. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, why? I, I know what my tithe is that's going. And woo, woo, that would that'd make for a nice car payment. It's not mine. Don't touch it. It's a discipline. I have mine set up on recurring giving on Pushpay. And there's certain weeks where I go, oh, ooh. But it's an act of worship. My life is not my own. And we give not because God needs our measly little money or the church needs your money. Now, it's true. You walk through the summer and usually churches historically, we have to pare back 20% probably in a budget because we know people scatter and go and vacations and all that's fine with them. And then maybe it comes back in the fall. You sort of trust it. But why is that? Why is there up and down inconsistency with God's people? And God says, why are you robbing me? And so we, we have to be disciplined in this. And it's an act of worship. And it's an act of worship because we are saying to God when we give, this life is not my own. All resources I have are not mine. They're yours. That's why Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break and steal. And then this, this straight on line from Jesus, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And some days... I worry that God may want to look into my finances a little bit deeper, not because he's wanting to see the money issues, he's wanting to see the heart issues. If you are going to push back against the entitled world that you're tempted by, that's propagated not only by advertisements, by, by your friends, other people that are uh, on social media, we're always popping things on social media, aren't we? Like, hey, look at us, look at where I'm going now, what am I doing? I'm thinking, what if God was reading our social media posts? Would it say that we're robbing God? We just need to start. We need to start right there and begin to trust God that he will help us because I want God to have my heart. I want to describe for you three types of people. 
The first is the tipper. Do you know what the tipper is? That's the person that just sort of gives out of obligation or to look good around others. Oh, my goodness, it says to give cheerfully, so I better give something. And so we just sort of tip God. Whatever sort of comes and goes, feeling pretty good about this. Oh, they, they waited on my table pretty nice, sort of tip God. God's been doing some things. I think maybe I want to manipulate God a little bit, so I'll tip a little bit more. The, the whole concept of a tipper is like really whacked down. It's really far off base. That's not what you do with all these resources. But there are some of us in this very room online that that's sort of the, our approach to the whole thing of God's resources. Tipper. Yeah. And, and then there is uh, the tither. Yeah, the tither. I just mentioned it, right? 10%. You, you calculate it. It doesn't take that much work and divide it up, whether it's weekly giving, monthly giving, whatever. You're like, okay, I am doing the tithe, but I'm not doing a penny more. Why? Because you're living in legalism. And the tithe was never meant to be a legalistic thing. You know, God's like, well, just keep it. If we're living in legalism with a tithe, then the heart still has to be moved in some direction that God wants it to be moved. Tithe is a great place to start, though. Many of you do tithe. And it's an act of worship. And it's a discipline. And it's a place of sacrifice. And God's smile is upon you. And the master would say, welcome into my happiness. But that's not really where God wants us to be either. It's not the tipper. It's not the tither. What's the other T word? Trusty. He wants you to be a faithful trustee. A faithful trustee of his resources. They're his. Everything I have. And I may try to navigate my way through this, but I tell you what, it's going to come back to the heart issue. Where is your heart? I think a lot of people, they never move from the tipper to the tither, let alone the trustee part, because they live in fear. Fear of not having enough. That's a legitimate fear. We're all that way. But can I just say this to you? The only pushback against that fear of materialism and not having enough is to honor God with your giving. It's sort of like putting an arrow into the tyrant of materialism and says, I am not going to be driven by wealth and accumulation issues or my entitlement. I am going to live my life as a steward of all of God's resources and what he's given me, whether it's $10, you know, $100, $10,000, what I mean, I am going to be obedient. And when you are obedient in the area of giving, it starts to rustle away this materialistic nature that we're all prone to. So in that, this is my challenge this morning. I want to challenge you to join a relay, the relay of things that you've been entrusted with. And I want you to be a good trustee of your resources this morning and give you what I want to refer to as the 4 by 10 challenge. 
We had the four by 100 relay. I almost thought about showing that video clip again that we had a few weeks ago when they're boom, boom, boom. It's going around the track really fast, passing the baton, passing the baton, and it gets to the last hold off with the Chinese two ladies, and they bungled. They not only bungled it, they went backwards on the track, and they were confused. And one runner said to the other, get going, take the baton, keep going. <laughs> and I, I want to give you the opportunity to have a baton this morning for a four by ten challenge. And so as you leave service this morning, I want you to pick up a black baton if you feel so led to step into this challenge. And I, I got them as black. You know why? Because of that fear. If I give to God, I'm going to be in the red. I'm not giving you a red baton. We're giving out black batons. So you can be in the black because when you're faithful to God, he will provide and meet your needs. So you're going to pick up a black baton, and on this baton, it's going to have a 4 by 10 challenge on it. And this 4 by 10 challenge is this. Four months... September, October, November, December. Four months left in this year. Times 10. You're not having to run all the way around the track kind of thing. I'll just make it a 10 thing, right? 10% your tithe. 10% of your income. And then the Malachi 310 verse is on here, which says what? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, and says the Lord, and see, see, see if I will not pour out so much blessing. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Some of you are like, I got it. I'm good. I'll pick up the baton. It's just a reminder on the way out. I'll leave it in my bathroom, in my kitchen. I'm good. God's really worked in my heart, and maybe he can help me even give more. Give more not just to the church, but to other ministries and those kinds of things like we heard about here this morning. You're like, I, I got it. God's really worked in my heart. I can give a testimony to this. You grab a baton. But for some of you, when you walk by the tables with this baton, it's going to be hard for you because you've never tested the Lord. This is God saying, test me in this. Four months, 10%. And see the work that God does in your life. I remember one pastor used to give a tithing challenge and he'd say, it's a money back guarantee. If it doesn't work out after a few months, we'll give you all your money back. But he was so adamant about just test the Lord, try it. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so these batons are for this challenge. And this challenge needs some prayer support. So on the white top tables with the, the batons, um, if you feel led, you don't have to. If you feel led, put your name down there so we can pray for the body of Christ in this step of faith. And let's see what God does. And let's push back against that tyrant of entitlement and materialism, consumerism, or the next better thing. And let's just say, point blank, here's where it's at. I live my life for God. God have my heart. And let's see what God can do, not just through us as a body of people, but in your own individual life and in your family. Your kids need to see your faithfulness in this. And the two funeral services we had yesterday, there were not any belongings 
that went forward. It's a brief life. Let's live it for the purposes of God. And so here this morning, as the worship team comes up to close out with a worship song, I want to invite the ushers uh, to come. And I'm going to have us pray. Um, we pass the baskets. Receive your deep dive cards that you've signed. We pass the baskets. Receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. Your connect cards to let us know any prayer needs, those kinds of things. So, so we gather it. But sometimes it's difficult, I know, in modern culture with the whole thing giving tactically. But if you want to set up an electronic gift, one time or reoccurring, which is what I've had to do to be faithful in this, then just simply text the word AWAKENING to 77977, and it's going to take you to a way to be able to give that. And so, Paul, Scott, would you come up here? We sort of do simple offerings, but I want to pray over the offering today. Lord Jesus, we worship you in this aspect of giving is hard. Lord, whether it's from greed or fear or indifference, I pray for us as a body, everyone here, even for guests who are here, that you would help realign our lives according to what your desire is for us to steward well your resources. And Lord, we pray that you would bless these offerings to multiply your ministry and your work and to forward your mission through us as a local church, through global missions, other things, Lord, for local missional efforts such as Run to Rescue. Lord, may you take your resources and multiply your kingdom's work to reach people and to save people and to transform them into your likeness. So Lord, bless this effort. And Lord, I pray a blessing upon those who would take a baton this morning, sign their name up, whatever, that they would take it and run with this decision. September, October, November, December. Lord, enable them to be faithful to giving the tithe. Sometimes, Lord, we know we just have to jump there and not incrementally get into it. Lord, just bless us as we jump there and even go beyond there as you would lead, as we're a trustee of all that you have. But Lord, we pray your blessing upon those who would take that challenge and take it serious to not rob you and to test you by giving the tithe and the offering. So Lord, we thank you. We worship you in all ways. Amen and amen. Danielle, can I have my $100 back? I want you to put it in that basket. Let's worship the Lord in the beauty of all that he's provided for us.